What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And hello, movie lovers. And today, I actually have my good friend, Josh, and we're going to be doing our Gilmo Del Toro's Pinocchio spoiler review actually airing on netflix right now and we can't wait to actually dive into this film we both enjoy this film don will be joining us in a few minutes so let's go on ahead let's do this how are you doing good sir i'm wonderful i pledge my sword to the movie lovers uniting in the terms of guillermo de torrios all right, so here's the thing. I really enjoy Guillermo del Toro's uh, version of Pinocchio. I thought it was ten times better than that Disney version that we got. And I have to say, the first 20 minutes of it, I was actually more engaged in that compared to where we were with the Disney uh, live-action ad- adaptation of Pinocchio. Because I really didn't like that version at all. You didn't like that version at all. I hated it. I was played for a puppet. It was so stale. And wooden. I never realized how many strings were on me at the moment that that movie was put out. No strings are supposed to be on you, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Why would they? Why would Disney think that that was an appropriate release? I don't know. It was so bad. And so it was like just to see this. And it it was funny because it's like, well, we got two Pinocchio movies coming out the same year months apart it's like okay well it's Guillermo del, del Toro I always like Guillermo so I, I feel like I, automatically I'm thinking okay I feel like this will definitely be the superior movie and it by miles it is the superior film I I really I'm gonna go back and rewatch this maybe a few this times movie definitely like, does I'm gonna be honest with you man this movie definitely deserves the rewatch rewatchability because of the fact that it does a better job at setting up who Geppetto actually is. Mm-hmm. where Especially when you go in ahead and talk about his son, which, you know, Carlo. And the thing that I really liked about that was, okay, so you actually see Geppetto you, and him and his son is having that bonding connection where you actually understand who Geppetto is. You understand who Carlo is. Mm-hmm. He's teaching him about Christianity. You're also seeing him at... The dinner table. He's learning how to cut the wood and all that other stuff. And then he winds up going over to the church, doing this, uh, going over to the church and everything to try and uh, do Jesus. You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about that mm-hmm. scene where he's actually, mm-hmm. yeah, doing the crucifix for the church. He's actually, so you actually know what he's a what kind of person Geppetto is. Also, like the fact that you know this movie also makes the audience announce what the audience is actually thinking. For instance, you have that one scene where Geppetto's uh, cutting, well, basically just telling his son about the pine cone. And he said, no, you don't want that kind of pine cone because of the fact that it has, look at all the edges, it's missing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, he's a professionist. Next thing I know it, whenever he's going through that little town, it's like, oh, Geppetto, such a professionist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. I, I like that. And then, of course, you also have the Italian accents in this one compared to that movie, the other movie that we got, which had no Italian accents. And I thought that they actually, Guillermo del Toro definitely does a good job with that. But what did you think of the opening sequence when we look at the um, characterization? 
the opening sequence to me is some of the honestly one of the best in animation one of the best in recent years simply because of how how much character and story we got in such a simple amount of time and we definitely see that bond between Geppetto and Carlo to set up set us up for the rest of the movie because Geppetto goes through a lot of he goes through a very emotional journey um throughout the movie and after what happens to Carlo, you just see this man become a shell of himself. He turns to alcohol. He's drinking all the time. He's barely even doing things in his shop. He's not, he's not happy. He's angry. He's short with people. And I think that the loss of Carlo and the way that in which he was lost, and it wasn't like he was doing anything, you know, reckless. It would just have the timing of the, of the place that he was in going back in the church and then the bomb dropping during the war. It, yeah, no. Um, I like the setting that they chose world war two to even showcase more of the struggle that was going on because throughout the movie, it's a war with your emotions. Like, I mean, especially in Geppetto's case, like, I mean, at the beginning we see him, he's happy, he's loving, he's enjoying spending time with the son. Then we have to see him go through this whole shift of when well, he lost his son and now he's, he's broken. And well, now he's, you know, it ah, mm. definitely pulls on your heartstrings, especially whenever you have the town that looks up to you, looks up to your son, has that respect for you. Then you have the town where now, because of the fact that he lost his son and because of the fact he's broken now and he's also turning into with alcohol and the town is now in disarray and also turning against him. Mm-hmm. Basically, the town's buffoon, if you think context. Then, you know, I also like this one, one scene where basically you see Carlo, he finally finds the perfect pine cone, and then, you know, he wants, the bomb gets dropped. It didn't, they didn't even mean to kill the kid or anything like that because they were just trying to have the weight uh, being let go on the, uh, on the bomb. Yep, that time. That's it. And so he, they accidentally bombed the church, and then that's, of course, where he, where he winds up losing Carlo. And then... You know, a couple of years passed, and Geppetto's actually drunk, like you said. And then you also have the part where Jiminy Cricket comes in, and I like how they how they put Jiminy Cricket into the tree, and yeah. is telling it from his perspective on how he actually sees Geppetto. I thought that was a very sweet touch on how they actually did something different versus what they did with the Disney movies. Right. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, I thought that was I thought that was a very um, I love this Jiminy Cricket. I think I love this Jiminy Cricket more than, even more so than the 40s version of uh, Pinocchio. Like, I think it's just not so much, not saying that he was one dimensional, but I think that this one, this one just had more, many more layers than 40s Pinocchio. Um, I don't want to skip to the end, but I just have to say real quick, that last speech that he gave to the um the wood sprite, I felt that John. I was on the verge of tears. I can't. I was on the verge of tears. <laughs> I felt that because he he was trying his best, and um, I loved every nuance and detail. I loved the detail down to the fact that he had the little mustache on his face and all. Oh, uh, he just like a little. You, did you notice that he had a mustache? Yeah, I noticed he had like a little beard or something like that to mm-hmm. show his age. 
Kind of like the you know, that he's also has aging in this as well. So I thought the little details in this to me is just perfect with yeah. writing because of the fact that you know that this guy is supposed to be guiding him. Jimmy Kirk is supposed to be guiding him. And then Geppetto's also aged a lot, even though he's already old at old whenever he has Carlo. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot little bit of aging with Geppetto as well. So it goes in well with the timeline and it fits within the timeline of the storytelling. Absolutely. As well. I even and, like oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, th- as far as uh, Jiminy goes, I like the fact that everybody could understand him, and it wasn't just Pinocchio that could hear him. I mean, Geppetto could hear him. Um, even the baboon, uh, what was his name? Uh, oh, my goodness. I forgot okay, the baboon. No, he's the other one I'm talking about. Was it like Sartuz- Sartuzo? I think it's Sartuzo. Something like that. I can't remember. Ah, yeah. But like everybody could understand him. It wasn't just Pinocchio that could hear him. Everyone else could. Uh, so that was another detail that I liked about uh, Jiminy. But yeah, Jiminy was actually the best part of this uh, live action adaptation. And then, of course, you see him looking down at him and he's wondering what's what's going on with Geppetto. And then one stormy night, he winds up, Geppetto winds up shopping down the tree. And then when he shops down the tree, Jiminy's actually in that hole where, where he's supposed to be at. And so he chops him down. Then all of a sudden it turns into basically a horror movie. He winds up cutting down the tree and then he drags the tree into this cottage. And then he's over there chopping, chopping it up. And then I like how they go with the lightning where you wind up seeing this shadow of Geppetto. And he's over there taking uh, the tree apart to make the legs, to make the uh, arms. And it looks like something out of like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein on the base of the way that I was just about um, to say, yep. Doesn't it remind you of that, Josh? Doesn't it remind you of like a Mary Shelley's Frankenstein kind of vibe to it where you have this horror element of this scene and then he's putting together the puppet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I got from it. Um, I was just waiting for the lightning to actually strike Pinocchio. <laughs> but that wouldn't work. It would only... It only burned the bastard. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> and by the way, we're going to get into why Pinocchio is probably the most annoying version of Pinocchio in this movie, but it fits within the storyline itself. Yeah. But I just thought he was very annoying at like the first 20 or 30 minutes. For sure. Um, but like, I, I do understand why they, I guess I, I guess I kind of get why they did it that way. Um, also to separate themselves from Disney uh, even further. So um, I'm glad that they did though, because all Disney's version was like a pink by the numbers reincarnation of what the cartoon version was. Mm-hmm. And this one seemed like it was more of the actual story within the book itself and not anything connected in with, uh, in with the Pinocchio animated movie or the live action adaptation. So that's something I really appreciated from Guillermo del Toro, what he did with that. And I don't even know if, like, some of the, as far as the mystical and spiritual elements, I don't know if that was in the original book. But if he just added mythology, I think that just shows another flex in his creativity. I thought that those were brilliant elements that really brought me further in. I like seeing the different spirits and how they looked. Even now, look, the rabbits to me <laughs> in the <laughs> underworld, they were hilarious. But, yeah, they were. But they they were, were a great addition, too. You know, um, the one 
with the spirits, they were sisters. Uh, it was like one's in the underworld, one's kind of in the surface world in a way. Um, and their design, I loved the designs of all of them. Just this, this whole work. Can we talk about the animation? Like this the is some of the best stop. Mo- yes, some of the best stop motion animation I've ever seen. And I and I enjoy stop motion from like Chicken Run, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs. Um, but just the detail and the work that's put into this. I mean, even you can feel just looking at uh, Pinocchio, you can just tell, look at the texture. My goodness, you could reach out and be like, Splinter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, get this. They actually had three different Pinocchio designs for three different shots. Not only that, but they also, uh, Guillermo del Toro also fought them on not having CGI or um, digital animation. He fought hard on that, and it paid off. And this is actually him in the works with it over God knows how long. He's been fighting for a Pinocchio movie. Wow. No, he did the thing. He did he he did this. This this it's incredible. I mean, sure, he's missing an ear, but I mean <laughs> it's <laughs> but it's phenomenal work that's being done here. But I like the fact that he's missing something because it shows the imperfectness of who Pinocchio is. Mm. So I liked how they did that. <laughs> That's a bar. I like that. I like how you put that together. Absolutely, yeah. No, seriously. Because it shows the imperfectness of his child of him being a child and not understanding the world. And he shows that he's like incomplete because of the fact that he's not he doesn't understand the world and the way the world works. And to a child, the world work the way that the child looks, everything is kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Like we we see that within his eyes, within his lenses, whenever he wakes up, and with the blue fairy, and I like how the blue fairy comes in there, and Jiminy's like, "Well, I'll do the best I can do because that's because that's the way that I'm gonna be." I forgot the, but it's like the best I, I I'm gonna. What does he say? He said, "I'll try my best." And that's the best I can do, and that's the best I can do. Yeah, and so, as a matter of fact, I said that to my wife today. Because can you do this? I, I'll do my best, and that's the best I can do. Can do <laughs> that's a T-shirt right there. He goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just like, asked what? you to take out the mail. <laughs> like, I'll do my best. Just <laughs> <laughs> where did he get that from? Then all of a sudden, I turn into Christian Harlop. I wish I knew. <laughs> I, I wish. I, <laughs> I wish I knew now what I knew then. <laughs> right, but. But still, though, I mean, this, and then, of course, Papa wakes up after the Blue Fairy tells Jiminy, hey, look, if you do this, if you let him be the conscious, be his guide, because you're already living in his heart, I'll grant you any wish. He goes, oh, fame, fortune, fortune, yes, whatever you want. Okay. So he goes on ahead. Blue Fairy goes on ahead, does what she does. She leaves. Geppetto wakes up the next morning, hungover, and the puppet's not there. Then all of a sudden, it turn, now this is also another thing that turns into a horror movie. It turns into like the grudge. I was going to say like Night of the Living Dummy, but I see what you mean there too. Yeah. Right. No. Because because the way the spider-like thing with the wood and the way that it's like really mm-hmm. creepy and eerie, I, would, I don't blame him. I would actually get an axe too and see what's going up there. He winds up falling down once he winds up seeing the look. <laughs> look of... Uh, Pinocchio goes, I'm your son. He goes, you're not my son. <laughs> you're just a puppet. puppet. <laughs> <laughs> then the 
axe almost winds up chopping uh, Geppetto's balls off. And then... <laughs> it got real brutal real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pinocchio picks up the axe, the hatchet, and then he goes... And then all of a sudden he starts... He goes, oh, what's this? It's an axe. What is it used for? And then all of a sudden he has like ADD and just... <laughs> Goes on ahead, picks up the hatchet, throws it, and lays it in between Geppetto's legs again almost. <laughs> Geppetto catches it. Then next thing you know it, he turns into Jack Skeleton of like basically saying, What's this? Mm-hmm. And and he's saying, Well, what's this? Oh, that's a hammer. You smash things. And then next thing you know, you see Pinocchio smashing things, <laughs> destroying <laughs> Geppetto's work. Because I like it. And then next thing you know what he sees, what's this? Oh, that's a clock. And what does it do? And he tells him what it does, and then he breaks the cuckoo clock. That's just that's so destructive. Just, He's like Dennis the Menace. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I like yes. Yeah. Like he I mean, everything he touched, he just felt the need to break. And then it comes down to the point where you will not do as you're told until you get hot chocolate. What I really want to understand <laughs> is this, though. How do your taste buds work? <laughs> you, well, are, you are merely made of pie. Father, he, this, this is what made me like, Father, I really want hot chocolate. I really want hot chocolate. Give me chocolate, hot, hot chocolate. Okay, here. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, is he going to get woodburn instead of heartburn since he doesn't have a heart? <laughs> so... It's brilliant. Oh my God. So yeah, I was like, I was just thinking. And then I was also thinking too, was his I would love to see like little sm- like smoke coming out of out of him to show that he's <laughs> where, where he can't taste anything. But they don't even show it. They don't even show that. Which I wish that Gummo would have put that detail in it. I wonder has the little kid looking at him like he's like stupid. And then there's also this other part that happens where he's too close to the fire because the kid tells him to put his feet in the fire. Right. He's like, look, father, my feet are on fire. Pinocchio, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I like it when my feet are on fire. <laughs> and then he goes, and then once he's putting him to bed, once he wants to find, um, putting him to bed because now he has to go to school. He's like, it's all great, Pinocchio. I'll make you some new legs. He goes, cricket legs? No. <laughs> some, some, new, some better <laughs> new legs. But think about it, though. Imagine being able <laughs> to just put your feet in fire. <laughs> <laughs> I can, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to your dad and you're like, hey, dad. Can you make me some new legs? <laughs> just, just <laughs> yeah, I need some new Jordans. I can't. <laughs> Can you carve me some Jordans? As soon as that happened, why, for some reason, that and then the utter annoyance that he was, you know, that he was at that point in time. Every time he said something crazy or ridiculous up until I felt like his character shifted, I genuinely only thought about the scene in Lord of the Rings at the very beginning. What part was that? When Elrond tells Isildur to cast the ring into the fire. Oh my God. <laughs> You're ready to burn him, though. Like, no, I was. To- I was like, Kid, if you don't sit down, because when the Podesta and the priest came, then when they went to the church, oh, and God. he just was 
loud as I don't know what he tells him to stay trapped in the in the house, leaves right. him in the cellar, and he goes, you know, he goes to the church, he says, I'll be right back. He goes to the church, like, Papa, I'm here. And then they're all like, What sorcery is this? <laughs> it's like, or hunchback or no And then he does is this he goes, I want to go to church too. I want to go to church. And then Jimmy's trying to stop him. He goes, No. And he tries to sing his song. He goes, You gotta do what what your father tells you to do. And all of a sudden, bam, slams him up against the wall with the door. He's like, I don't want to listen. And then next thing you know, do what you're Next thing you know, when he goes to the church, like you said, and he's over there looking at the crucifix of Jesus. (laughs) And he's mocking the thing. But here's the thing, though. I didn't, people might want to find that a little bit offensive, whatever. But I'm like, no. If I was made out of wood, and if I was not understanding the concept of it, that's how I would actually react to something that I didn't understand. That's true. And That's then true. I also like how Pinocchio calls out the church people on their own BS, though, too. Because why are they treating me different? Mm. Then Geppetto turns around and he says, because people are afraid of what they don't understand. Yep. And then that, and I'm like, okay, I like where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's obnoxious. Yes, he's loud. But he's questioning other people's motives, though, too. So that was very smart thinking on Gilmo's part to put that part in it. I think that just adds another dimension to his character, too. I mean, like, you're right. I mean, we've always known Pinocchio to be curious. Um, but for him to have that question, it just shows a different level of his. Right, because it's like. His understanding for humanity. It's like, well, why is it that? I know that obviously we're, I'm different. Obviously, I can tell that you guys are different. But I'm accepting of the differences. But you guys are automatically just assuming demon, witchcraft, sorcery. Who did this? How is he controlling him? How are you truly alive? Are you even real, boy? Like, I mean, but and then even the priest is like, Geppetto, after all these years, you didn't even think about uh, doing the crucifix, finishing the crucifix of Jesus. And here you are making a puppet. Mm-hmm. And I'm thought to myself, you are such a douchebag. And then had the like, nerve to come to his house later on with the Podesta. Yeah. And like, it's bullshit. <laughs> like, you mean to tell me that nobody else could actually finish Jesus? Not I, not with the skill of, of Master Geppetto, the perfectionist. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, they could have probably went to the next town over and maybe found um, some uh, distant descendant of Michelangelo maybe (laughs) could have done that but they chose not to said no 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 no. we'll wait till Geppetto's drunken rage is done and when his sanity is collected and then we'll get him to finish Jesus for us but right and then like you said uh the other douchebag shows up with him and his son and then of course that's the cocoa scene we talked about hot chocolate scene did you know I just found this out that that was Ron Perlman yeah, I just found that out too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, shoot, okay, that was Ron. Per- I knew you and you and McGregor was uh, Jiminy Cricket, right? But I did not realize that Ron Perlman was um, the Podesta, which I think that was that's really cool. I think so too. I think that actually fits Ron Perlman to a T. Oh in, yeah, in that character. Come too. on, you and I are Sons of Anarchy fans. We, you know, we right. we love we love the villain of Clay Morrow. Like, come on. You know? Unfortunately, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Um, 
So, count uh, another thing though too is like on on his way to school because that's the next day, and he he gives Geppetto winds up giving him Carlos's book, mm-hmm. and he winds up, you know, say, basically he said, "Look, this is his book, and now I'm giving it to you. Now you need to go to school." So on his way to school, that's whenever he runs into the uh, the, the monkey. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm so mad. I can't think, remember his name right now. Inspositor, Spositorno. Right, something like. But Count uh, Volopi convinces Pinocchio to join his circus and gets him to sign a, a contract. And so, the way he signs the contract is with a sign. It's, it's. I was listening. It's, it's just when I saw the whole cast for this, like. Did you read the whole cast list for this? No. So it's crazy. Okay, look. One of my favorites, one of my favorite actors, Bern Gorman, played the priest. You may know him from if you've seen Turn or uh he wasn't in no, he wasn't in Twilight. He was in Game of Thrones. I forgot which um I forgot which one he played. He was one of the wilder ones when I guess when they took over um the camp with the uh well the girls that were incestuous you know the dad was sleeping with all of this is like every other that's every character on game of thrones it's, it's fucking ridiculous right <laughs> then you got finn wolfhard he was candlewick john totoro was detore i don't know who uh, uh del toro not del toro um anyways i know who you're talking about yeah then kate blanchett played the baboon she was spazatora wow i did not know that Right. Tim Blake Nelson played all the Black Rabbits. Love Tim Blake. And Christoph Waltz played Count Volpe. Tilda Swinton was the Wood Sprite. Tom Kenny was <laughs> Tom Kenny was Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant. Uh, he came in short supply. Um, but <laughs> we're not there yet. Um, but that's that's like some of the main cast. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that um interesting that now that we're actually talking about count volpe um fun fact for you so in the original you know it's a fox right check this out so i've read and studied animals for like a very long time so the binomial nomenclature or the genus name of a fox in latin is actually vulpus vulpus count volpe and he still wow. had the right, and he still had the you know with Makes his sense. hair, and it's like he's a fight, he's cunning, he's a trickster. It's like that works. I said that's brilliant detail. That's what I loved about this. Just the attention to detail, I thought was Damn. really, really ah yeah. I've been wanting to say that all day. <laughs> <laughs> but you just blew my mind though because I had no idea about that until you just mentioned it. So that that's, that's pretty cool. I also that. like the fact that we're not. De- I was thinking Drumboli. I thought we were actually going to have. The same. So too. But then whenever I saw him, I'm like, okay, I like where they're going with it. It's not a paint by the numbers uh, thing, a complete rehash of the animated cartoon or the live action of that thing. Making it its own thing, and I appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. Like, okay, so this is what they're giving us? Okay, I'll go with it, because I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. And then when he goes, and then Geppetto tries to step in, and he goes, he goes look, father, I'm a star. I'm going to be a star. And he goes, no, you need to go to school. And then, of course, you know, that's when 
says, well, he can't leave because of the fact that he signed a contract. Because what contract? And he has a, the signatures of a of a son. Mm-hmm. And, he goes, and then he goes, how do we even know that he even signed that? And it kind of reminds me of the father who wants to get like the cheap deal at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because how old is your son? Ten, I, he's eight. No, I'm tip. Shut your mouth. <laughs> and so to, then Pinocchio just looks. Yeah, that's mine. I that's my that. father. <laughs> but you don't close your mouth. <laughs> and then what winds up happening? He winds up dying. Oh yeah, and when they were fighting over him in the alley. That's this is right. what we were talking about because he was lying so much. Mm-hmm. And what happened? I got jumped by these guys, these circus people, and that's how I winded up over here. And his nose kept on growing. And then even whenever, like we said, this little turd was even whenever he got he still gets run over, he still is lying. I'm still lying. How are you? Listen, it's it. It, it was so funny because when it happened. I just thought back to that riddle from the Batman, and they're saying, "What does a liar do when he's dead? <laughs> he lies." <still. laughs> like, like, <laughs> and I remember, I remember being in the theater, and I saw that. I said, "He lies still." That's the answer. And sure enough, it was. And here I go watch Pinocchio. Oh, <laughs> well, the liar's clearly dead, but he lies still. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> but. You know, I definitely like the afterlife stuff. That actually took me for a little bit. I'm like, wait, where where are we? Because I'm not, I haven't seen this done before. Mm-hmm. It kind of threw me for a loop. It didn't take me out of it. It was making me question where he was actually at. You know? And, yeah, like it was, it was just different. And I liked that. Um, it, like I said, it added another element to the overall story. I don't know if that was in the original, but I, let's say it wasn't. If it wasn't, that's just genius um, as far as expanding the lore of Pinocchio. Uh, because I like those scenes where we got with the rabbits, where we see the other um, the other sprite from the underworld, and she's just explaining how the world works and that how every time he dies, he has to stay just a little bit longer. But he's never going to truly die. But then we don't know there's a twist to it until a little bit later. And I know, you know, we don't want, we're not there yet, but just throwing that out there. But I did like how they explained things in that world, though. Me too. And I also like how he meets Death. Death winds up telling him, look, when this hourglass winds up diminishing, you go back to the world. Mm-hmm. And he goes, one more question. Next thing you know, he goes back <laughs> over to. <laughs> it just sinks in. Oh, he's an autopsy room. Right. And then there they are uh, in the living. They're all wondering. And then Geppetto's like, well, you can't sign him now. He's dead. He goes, I can still I can still make it work. So then, of course, he winds up coming back to life. And then that's when Ron Perlman's character comes in. He goes, well, that's it. He has to go to war. <laughs> he can like, be an what? ultimate weapon. He can never die. <laughs> the ladies in the back. It's a miracle. <laughs> And then I'm thinking to myself, well, what happens if a torpedo lands on him and makes him explode? Where he woods all over the place. I am so glad you asked that because I had that exact I had that exact same question at the end. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I had that exact same question. So wait a minute. 
So do you, your pieces just come back together? Do we have to gather your parts all over again? Do you have to re- like how does this? How does this? You just work? regenerate? Do they just come back together like Deadpool? Or Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets. Regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. How does that know, you like baby wood hands or something, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Your tiny mini branches. <laughs> but I'm like, Small so you're going to put a wooden puppet. It, it, I mean... For him, it makes sense because it's all about war, defending your country and ordering your country. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, you're going to get a wooden puppet to try to defend your country? A Weird, puppet right? that's not very good at attention spans? Crazy. No, it's it's crazy you say that because wasn't... Hold on. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The scene following that, did he, re- he didn't return with Volpe yet. He went off and... Um, he went off the training camp, correct? Well, first he goes on ahead and goes with Geppetto. Right. Because remember, he goes, that's it. We're leaving. Mm-hmm. And then he winds up yelling at Pinocchio and tells him, you're such a burden to me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. And he said, I have to pay Volfi uh, uh, for what you went uh, for that fee while you go off to war now. He goes, mm-hmm. why do I have to go to war? Well, first he goes, I love war. Don't even no. have a clue <laughs> no what idea. war is. And then he goes on ahead and he says, you have to go because you've been drafted. Because why do I have to go, Papa? Why do I have to go? I just don't understand it. And he goes, I don't have time to go into this with you. I already owe a fortune to the person that you wind up doing the carnival for. I thought now I have to put you in the in war now because of your age. Mm-hmm. So now while you're fighting the war, I have to pay this debt now. So, and he goes, you're such a burden to me. So then he goes on ahead. They go to bed. He Pinocchio winds up running away. He puts a picture of the son to show his father that he's going to leave and to pay for his debts that he actually owes. And then that's when he goes on this carny ride. And he trapped Jiminy in the glass so that he couldn't. Yeah. You know, I thought that that was um, that was definitely a standout scene because when he said that when he called him a burden, it was like, man, I know you're pissed, yeah. dude, but like, 
ooh, you know, but it's just, it, wow, just the writing, man. I, the other thing that caught me is when we're talking about the war, as far as people's ages goes, we don't know exactly how young these boys are, but they are young. And so it's like, man, just think about being there back during that time. You've barely lived life yet, and you already have to go and pretty much put yours on the line to defend your country. And you haven't even experienced life. What are you like? They couldn't have been no more than at least 12. I would say 10. 10? 10 to 12, probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And that's probably that age gap that they were in. It's like, man, already. And then the fact that some of the, you know, the adults were so. Yeah. And like adamant about it. Like there was nothing weird about it. Like we're just going to send a 12 year old off to war. Like like it's nothing. Really? A problem. World War Two was a different time. Actually, it was and World War One. Was World... was, yeah. Really? Yeah. It was war... Okay. Oh wait. Wait. Yeah, it was. Because in my notes, it's World War One. Okay. Huh. I thought at first it was World War Two because yeah, it was the plane. Yeah, that and then Mussolini's rise was increased more during World War Two. So, okay. All right. Hmm. Well, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but I thought that was a nice, a nice touch in addition. It was, it definitely was. And then I like the "My Papa" song that the, that Pinocchio is singing. I, I definitely like that song out of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. To look at the songs that they were singing, and then after that winds up happening, finally, uh, basically Pinocchio winds up finding out that he, the dude's been uh, basically cheating him out of his money, and decides that he wants to go back to Geppetto. Mm-hmm. Then that's whenever he runs into Ron Perlman's character again. And basically it's a training camp for the youth to get prepared for war. Which was insane. Like just watching them train and then um oh my goodness, the the whole incident with the son, um, when he finished the race before Pinocchio. No, 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 Pinocchio beat him. No, no, the son, the son won, didn't he? No. Basically what happened, they both basically got up there at the same time. And this is what happened. They both went down there at the same time and brought it back. And this, and he thought his father would be happy at the fact that they both won. Right. And then, right. The, and then the father said, no, you're no son of mine. You coward told him to shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. And then basically that's when Pinocchio stands up for him and uh, winds up shooting the father. With the pink gun. Right. Oh. And that's when that was I was actually hoping um <laughs> I was like, I hope that's not paint. I I hope that that's loaded with something else. Just take him out altogether. <laughs> Just get rid of this guy. Um yeah, no. See that scene I thought just really further showcased the cruelty of I don't know why my camera's doing this. Please stop. Okay. Um, can you even... You still hear me, right? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. Even Keep on talking through it. We'll all right. Fine. Even though I'm distorted, you can still hear my voice. <laughs> so I thought that that was one of the one of the great elements of it was just showing that difference in how Geppetto 
and the Podesta were his fathers. Like Geppetto actually cared. You know, he's not going to send his son off to war just because it's like, I want to make you tougher. You're a coward, this, that, and the other. No, he genuinely loved his son and raised his son with values, um, <clears throat> you know, to get him ready for the world. But the father, the, the cruel nature of how he raised his son and his son finally starting to see his father for who he is and just, just like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. Like, wh- why would you have me? All I'm trying to do is tell you we won together. That's that. And yet you want me to go out of my way and kill him. And then it hurts even more because we just saw the conversation that the two of them had before while they were in the barracks and just getting an understanding of each other. Because at first he didn't like him. And it was simply just because he was trying to be what his dad taught him to be. But when they actually sat down and they had an understanding of each other and his mind opened up, it's like, well, world's different and it's and it harkens back to what pinocchio asked earlier you know or not not what pinocchio asked but what geppetto said earlier is people don't or or people are afraid of what they Mm -hmm. don't understand and the father acting that way is because he just doesn't understand he's acting from a side of fear that he thinks is strength but there's no strength in what you're doing there's no strength in how you're raising your son no there's weakness yeah, it's a lot of weakness. And I thought that that was a really deep concept, just the, the juxtaposition between both of them. So, um, yeah. And then seeing Geppetto going out trying to find Pinocchio, looking for him, and, I mean, going down to his last dime. And I, and I think that this is another thing that this movie did better than, um, obviously better than Disney's, was actually showing Geppetto going on this journey and, trying to find all these things it's like this is what we lost yeah Yeah. and you see i'm thinking that some time period has actually changed a little bit Mm -hmm. between him trying to find him because we don't know how long he's been on that road right right so basically you know uh pinocchio decides to join bellaby's circus both to earn money for geppetto like we said and then uh Constructed into onto the Rio Escort Italian Royal Army mm-hmm. during the Second War. So that does take place during the Second War by the strict village of Podesta, right? Or then, however, Volapi just keeps the money for himself when, okay, it's uh, Spastatora basically tells uh, Pinocchio through his puppets when Volapi discovers he tries to beat. Um, until Pinocchio attempts to defend him. Yeah. So Pinocchio also defends him and earns his respect. So now you have two people now that have that friendship with Pinocchio. You have the son from the father that believes in the war, and then you also have Monkey from the circus. Mm-hmm. And both of them suffering from abusive um, superiors. And right. Pinocchio was just as. Jiminy said towards the end, he was just being a good boy. That was it. I mean, anybody with sense would, yeah, you know. Despite him not listening, despite all that other stuff, he still had a good heart. And he managed to actually find himself with, and people winded up loving him for just for who he was because of that. And that's something I really liked. Yeah, he doesn't listen to his father, but what kid doesn't? Then, you know, what person, what kid doesn't annoy their parents? it's like uh, this this movie is just getting better and better to me the more we talk about it because like Geppetto being the perfectionist right he wanted everything a certain way 
And he's like, he never made mistakes. But Pinocchio, Pinocchio makes mistakes. He falls. His father gets pissed with him because he makes mistakes. And it seemed like Carlo was perfect in his eyes. It's almost like Carlo could never make a mistake. And so the moment that Pinocchio starts being, you know, he's different, makes mistakes, doesn't always do what he's told. It's like, dude, but you have to understand at the end of the day, we, we're not perfect. Oh, we're imperfect people. We're imperfect people. And we strive to do good. And that's all Pinocchio wanted to do. He just He would strive to do good despite the mistakes that he would make. And I think that's even Geppetto over time learned and realized that, especially after uh, like Cricket talked some sense into him. He's like, you called him a bird. He really laid into him and sparked him to go on that journey. Go find your son. You called him a bird and this, that, and the other. And I mean, you want the world to feel sorry for you, but you're not doing anything to help yourself. You've lost. Yeah, you've lost, but you've also gained. So go get back what you gained before you lose it. And then you have nothing. This movie's so deep. It's it, does. It, it really is. It's really deep. Whenever you look at the layers to this movie, and stuff like that. And then, you know, you also have this other thing that winds up having Sebastian and Geppetto search for Pinocchio at sea. They're swallowed by the giant sea monster during one of his performances. Pinocchio sings a despairing parody of the, of a patriotic song to, I'm going to go on ahead and let you say his name. I don't know. I, I what with a uh, Spazator? Uh, no, it's actually Mussolini. Mussolini. Oh, Musa. Oh, yes, Mussolini. Oh, no, Mussolini. Okay, can we talk about Mussolini for a minute? So, yeah. Let's <laughs> see when he pulls up in the car, and it's like it just keeps going and going and going. Then he finally gets out in the bike. He just picks him up and puts him. <laughs> I just thought of a Lord Farquaad. <laughs> Mussolini comes in short supply. <laughs> Very short supply and highly demanding. <laughs> and some people think little of him. <laughs> How little is that? We don't know. But we don't still. know. He's just not measuring up to our standards. No. <laughs> oh this doesn't quite measure up to our height. I mean, but anyway. He's like a kidney bean. <laughs> You will never look at Chili the same again. <laughs> nope, definitely not. But then, you know, I like how the uh, basically they dedicate that song to him. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, he wants to kill Pinocchio and then also kill, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who was actually in charge of the carnival. And so basically Pinocchio runs away. And then, mm-hmm. you know, now we don't know what happened to the other character or whatever. But then... After that winds up happening, uh, we wind up seeing, but it's stopped by Spazatora. Uh, they are sent over a cliff, and Philippi falls to his death. While Pinocchio rescues Spazatora, uh, soon after they are swallowed by the sea monster, a reunite with Geppetto and Sebastian in its stomach, causing Pinocchio to sacrifice himself by detonating a naval mine. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so... Uh, the sea creature for this movie worked because of the fact of the fact. Now, let me tell you why it worked versus it why it didn't work in the Pinocchio live action adaptation for the Disney movie. Because this so- was, well, it was horrible. Yeah, but this was more of in its realm of what it's supposed to be. It is atmospheric. 
and it's also the way that it's supposed to be in this version. Mm-hmm. The version that we got with the Disney version was supposed to be the whale because we're used to that. And Monstro was actually supposed to be a legend. And they don't even explain the legend of Monstro in the movie at all either. So with this one, I'm happy that we got just a sea creature that swallows Pinocchio. And that was actually, that was more fitting to me in this one versus how they did it in the uh, live action adaptation of, of Pinocchio. Yeah, and I liked how they added, they called it um, the Captain <laughs> He saluted and jumped ship. He was saying that it was a dogfish. He called it like a, a dogfish that had um, would emerge like every 10 or so years from murky depths and then, you know, do its feeding almost like it was Pennywise. Only difference is Pennywise has another 17 years on that. But, right. um, you know, he would just come up every 10 years, feed, disappear, and come back. So, I mean, I just think like simple things and it's, it's simple, but it makes a difference. Um, because we didn't really need to have a whole, this is the origin, the birth, and then the fertilization of such a creature from, you know, know, just just say, all right, there's this big sea creature, feeds every 10 years, pops in, pops out, comes from the murky depths. That's it. Cool. Like you said, the live-action version of Disney explain didn't even explain that and because for saying that it's going to be a shot for, well, if they're going to say it's going to be a remake i'm expecting the whale and i didn't get a whale i got a head with tentacles and i hated it i hated every last second of it at least this creature even though it had punkering anuses for blowholes <laughs> from the inside <laughs> but regardless i thought it was a cool design it was different i like it well within that time period and it worked within that time period. you're absolutely right and um I also liked how it was going. Well, when they, that whole scene played out, they were in that naval minefield the entire time and just seeing, Oh, geez, did we lose John? I think we lost John, but <clears throat> excuse me. So as he's traveling through these naval minefields, it just kind of raises that suspension factor of, and John has returned to us. Um, that, that suspension factor, or what's going to happen next? I mean, what do we have going on here? What's, so how are these going to come into play? Because I figured, okay, obviously, this is where we are. Somehow these are going to play a role in defeating this creature. But then while that plays a role in defeating the creature, who's the one that ends up really being you know, the sacrificial lamb? Obviously, Pinocchio, which I think harkens back, watch this, to the beginning when Pinocchio sees Jesus. And sacrifices himself for Geppetto for the love of his father, which is also the same thing that Jesus did for the love of his father. So good call back on that. I did not realize that. There it is. It's 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 beautiful. But I like how he, now this is my favorite thing. He winds up pressing the bomb to make it go off to make the and it had like a very jaws like feel to it where the thing winds up exploding mm-hmm. but also like how he sacrifices himself he goes up to death again and he, she goes, he goes look I want to make a deal I want to be a real boy and she said you do know you'll die eventually no going back from this if I do this I don't care I want to I want to do this okay so it winds up going in that little whirlpool 
mm-hmm. about becoming a real boy. And then he knows that his time is going to be up if he winds up dying again. There's no way of coming back after that. And I really like the fact that he gave something up to save somebody else, show that he's unselfish. And he learns a lesson within this, even though he lies his ass off to get out of the out of the sea monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought it was a clever way of actually getting out of there and then having the sea monster spit them out and then him having to sacrifice himself. But that was a really good way of actually doing things. I really have to say they did a really good job with this. Absolutely. Uh, and just the last when the last 15 minutes of the movie um, and Cricket's narration, I said that speech he gave at the end towards the, um, the wood sprite. And he's like, you know, you get you said this is what you said. You promised me. And I told you I would try my best. And even though I might have messed up and even though I might have not done the best that I, you know, it things did not work out the way that we were expecting them to. I tried my best and still look what he became. He's a good boy. He made those sacrifice plays. He put himself in positions where he's like, you know, you had to make crucial decisions and he made the right ones. And he did that and he sacrificed himself for his father. What, what more could you want? So give me that wish. I wish for him to come back to life. And she granted that. And she realized she had to reflect on herself. Yeah, you're you're right. I did say that. And you know what? Jiminy also winds up using his wish unselfishly. Because Mm -hmm. remember, it was all about him. About self. About pleasing himself with being a novelist. Being successful. Fortune of fame. And he gives that up to save save him. And that's... So Jiminy learns a lesson as well. Mm-hmm. And then you also have another thing too. As parents, we mess up and everything too. We fall. We do all, everything that we possibly can for the kid. And then once they're grown, they're out the door and they make their own decisions. But for the time being, yes, you're going to mess up. You're imperfect, just like how Pinocchio is imperfect. Why shouldn't I give you that wish? Because you're also imperfect as well. Even though I was, you're supposed to be your, his conscience, but you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. something uh, that I got. And then as time goes by, Geppetto winds up dying. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this movie's depressing by the time I got done with it. <laughs> it's like Geppetto goes, and then Jiminy goes, then Spagazotaurus uh, goes. Spagazotaurus goes, and it's just Pinocchio just goes off into the world to wander the earth until, you know, his time. And then uh, what did Jiminy say? He said, uh, did, he, did he die? He said that he's not sure if Pinocchio is still alive or not, but he would like to think so. That he lived out the best days of his life. And then I like, at, remember this part where they're all dead and they're playing cards? Mm-hmm. I love that scene. Then <laughs> he breaks out in song. It's just like <laughs> phenomenal. No, this was, I was not expecting it to be this good, but I'm telling you, man, it's it's like the more I kid you not, the more we talked about this movie, the better it just seemed to get with just simple themes and um nuances and attention to detail. And I and I think that people forget sometimes that um you know movies do have meaning. And for me, if I can walk away with a lesson learned or a lot of thematic elements that jumped out at me that connections can be made throughout the movie. Like you've done, you've done your job. 
you've told a great story. You've connected these themes. Um, and it worked. And this is a far superior uh, Pinocchio adaptation. This might be my favorite Pinocchio adaptation, actually. Um, you know, I didn't feel played for a puppet. I didn't feel that this movie was wooden. I felt no staleness from it. I uh, genuinely you also didn't have no strings on you. I had no strings on me. <laughs> no strings on me. And you know. you know what, though? I felt the same way you do, though, because we had some bad adaptations of Pinocchio. We had the Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie with Walter Matthau. We had, uh, we also, that was back in the 90s. I was about to say, that's the, that's the one I was thinking that you were referring to. And I had, to, yep. I remember the, um, the VHS case. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. Yeah. But yeah, we had that. We also had the Pee Wee Herman fairy tale theater version. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we had a lot of adaptations of it, but nowhere as close as to this level and maturity of this film to entrust the viewers to go on this journey with Pinocchio and to have a different way of actually telling a story. This was good. This is fantastic. Now, my question is this whenever I told you I'm 20 minutes into this movie, I'm already loving it better than the, the live adaptation. What was your first initial thoughts? I, uh, well, when you first said that, or my, or my opinion of the first 20 minutes. Well, whenever I said that, what was your reaction? Okay. My reaction was, Oh, I was like, well, let me get started. Cause if you're enjoying this, like, like that, I'm like, all right, let me take a look because I knew I was going to check it out at some point. I just didn't know when. Um, so I'm glad you told me so we could jump on and do this review. I'm like, all me right. too. Because, Get this, it's rare that I actually do this on Twitter. Usually I'll go on ahead and watch the whole a whole movie or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm 20 minutes into this movie, and I'm already loving it better than the live-action adaptation of the It's rare for me to even do. And it's beautiful. It was beautiful in every way, shape, and form. This was a pure... This was a true purebred that could win the triple crown. <laughs> like <laughs> this is it. There is no, no, no other. I don't think any other Pinocchio movie comes close. Okay, I do have one. I do. I will say one thing. It kind of, sometimes I did feel like, um, and as much as I love my Disney movies, it just seemed like at some points songs kind of just appeared. I'm like, stop singing. <laughs> but. Right. but you know, but it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie in any way, shape, or form. I I, I enjoyed it. I just kind I of felt like there could have been maybe a little less, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest with you, with the music within this, I felt like it described the character and who what he was supposed to set out to do. Mm. How the musical numbers really took me out of it. I felt like it told the sto- told a story while Pinocchio was actually singing, or vice versa, whatever character is that person. So I think it went well with the story, and also too, they didn't use anything from Disney at all. They used original songs. That's true. And that Papa song was really good too. Papa, to be honest <laughs> with you, I came close to downloading that on iTunes. Really? Because I like because I liked it. But <laughs> hey, listen, if you tell me tomorrow that you went ahead and you did it, I ain't mad at you. It wouldn't surprise me. I might end up doing it myself. I'm not even gonna lie to you. You know, I mean, now we have to sing in full soprano voices. <laughs> Papa. <laughs> Papa. Yeah. Papa. But it's <laughs> my feet that on fire. <laughs> you cedarly bastard. <laughs> but, uh, but okay, I just want to go into a little bit of trivia, but we're not going to cover much in the trivia. Uh, but 
this movie, get this, want to know when Guillermo actually announced this? 2011 of February 7th. Announcing that Rimley and Mark Guffiston would co-direct a stop-motion animated Pinocchio film written by Del Toro in his long collaboration with Matthew Robbins. Wow, and he's had so many projects come out. On May, and, okay, and then a year later, on May 17, 2012, Del Toro took over a, as director, then teamed up with Gustafsson, a stop-motion veteran who had experience in similar stop-motion features like Fantastic Mr. Fox to assist yeah. him in achieving his ambitious vision for the project. In February 2012, Del Toro released some concept art of Pinocchio, Geppetto, and Talking Cricket, um, Magnificent, uh, the Fox and the Cat. On July 30th, 2012, it was announced that the film would be produced and animated by Shadow Machine. It was originally scheduled to be released around 2013-2014, but went into development in hell with no further information for the more oh, about, about three years. Then on <laughs> then on January 23rd, 2017, over the Carnival, 2014 creator Patrick McHale was announced to co-write the script with Del Toro in August. 31st, 2017, Del Toro told IndieWire in, at the 74th International Film Festival that the film would need a budget increase of $35 million or it would be canceled. On November 8th of 2017, he reported that the project was not happening because no students were willing to finance it. Really? Wow. Damn. Jeez. Wow. So we had a long-ass time getting this thing made. And it was well done. Definitely. I like Black Adam, um, even though I haven't watched it yet. But I'm going to because I want to see how I want to see. I've had a friend of mine tell me at work. He said, oh, yeah, you ready? For, excited for Black Adam? I was like, heck yeah, man. He said it was terrible. I said, okay. I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to say it's te- the story itself is good, but it's just The Rock and a Black Adam outfit being The Rock. That's it. It's so disappointing. Because you know what? <laughs> but, the thing is, yeah. I know he's so much better than that. Like, he's got, I don't know, some of my favorite, two of my favorite rock movies, three of them, I'm sorry. Maybe maybe four. Um, His best acting to me was The Game Plan, uh, Faster, Gridiron Gang, and um, oh my goodness, there. I'm I'm Pitch. honest. The run yet? Whoa, I still haven't seen that. And I want to see good. when it came out. Okay, uh, what was the other one? You know what? The Scorpion King is a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I, I love that first Scorpion King movie. Then be cool with John Travolta. That was also another one where you played a character. What year did that come out? Like 2005 or 06. Huh? Dang! No, he's he has a long list of things. You know, remember he was in Get Smart. Yeah, that's it. Get Smart with Steve Carell. Um, yeah, I like that one too. There was, <laughs> God damn it! What's that other one? Um, oh, John, help me out. Hold on, I just had it. Give me a second. It's uh, Walking Tall. Walking Tall was good. That was something like in his uh, the where he was still going by the Rock. Mm-hmm. Early years, yeah. Yep. But anyways, yeah. But yeah, 
If you guys haven't seen Pinocchio, go on and check it out on Netflix. We definitely recommend it. Uh, hands down, a great film. I totally recommend rewatching this thing. This thing has definitely a rewatchability. Absolutely. Things like that. So that's everything that we had wanted to cover as far as Pinocchio goes. So I hope, thank you guys for tuning in and watching this instead of popping fireworks, which people have been doing over here. So it actually goes, well, the cool thing is at least it goes in play with the story of Pinocchio. Because, (laughs) so. But anyways, guys, I do appreciate you guys a lot. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you, though, Josh. For... <laughs> I appreciate you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was such an explosive way to end the show. You're very welcome. I'm Michael Bay of Movie Lovers Unite. <laughs> oh, God, what an ambulance. <laughs> anyways, guys, that's going to be it for our show tonight. And always until next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.